taking names and kicking butts. This is Head Kicks and Haymakers. Good morning, fight fans. I am welcome to Head Kicks and Haymakers. I am that dude, Bodkins. Uh, what an incredible night of fights last night. Uh, we're going to break them down, talk a little uh, UFC, talk a little MMA news. Uh, this is our always UFC weekly Sunday morning show. And as always, I'm joined by my main man, K with a Craig and Mr. Smoking Amigo, Kenneth Miller. Morning, boys. Uh, what an incredible night of uh I guess credible afternoon of fights, uh, main and co-main. I said last night, but I guess that was uh, two in the afternoon. I love those uh, middle of the day cards. It gives me something to do on a Saturday. Uh, you know, flipping between the old college football, UFC. Uh, I mean, wow, jam-packed day yesterday. Uh, but before we get into last night's fights, we got to talk about a guy who is a legend in the game, uh, who's not in the UFC, but still uh, taking names and kicking ass. And that's uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Boys, he won the uh, he kind of won the flyweight one championship, but it's really at bantamweight. He's kind of come out uh, was on uh, the MMA hour, and it's just like you know I don't really feel like I'm the best flyweight anymore because I don't fight fight in that uh, division. I'm more of a 135er. He's like maybe I'm the best 135er in the world. Uh, Craig is Demetrius Johnson. Is he the best flyweight still in the world? And you know what would it look like if he made his way back into the UFC and uh, fought at that uh, 135. Well, obviously the dude's definitely got a case um, for being, you know, one of the best fighters. Um, we always say though, man, like the best fighters are in the UFC. We want to see you beating UFC guys, but we've seen this guy in the UFC and we've seen him win in the UFC. And I mean, globally, one is probably the next step behind UFC and he's over there dominating too. Um, there's talks about him and Triple C fighting. I wouldn't mind watching that fight because, honestly, I want to see somebody put it on Triple C, and I think Demetrius Johnson's a guy that can do that. Um, but it's kind of one of them situations. I mean, it, it's what's next for him, you know? He's he's kind of dominated everywhere he's went, and he's at a spot right now where, um, honestly, why not market yourself and try to put it together some, some big, huge payday fights? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think definitely he's got a case to argue he's the best 135er in the world. And uh, why not, you know, make some fights, some some big time fights happen to to see it. I mean, Kenny, we talked, Craig mentioned uh, Triple C. We've seen Triple C and uh, Mighty Mouse fight at flyweight. Would you want to see him fight at 135 at the Bantamweight? And, you know, what's your kind of take here on, on the legend that is Mighty Mouse? Uh, I won't go as far as to say that he is the best flyweight in the world anymore. Cause I think you do have to go through fig to say that anymore. Uh, but I'll watch him in triple C fight any weight class. I don't care if they want to get fat and come out of heavyweight. I'll watch them two fight any day, man. That's going to be a good one. Um, I don't know if you guys seen the video of triple C watching Demetrius's fight uh, against Marais. The last one he was pumped up when he won, man. I think they all kind of want that fight to be as big as it can be. If he is ever going to come back and make that happen. I don't know. Man, for Mighty Mouse to say I might be the one best 135 in the world, I just don't know if you can really make that claim either. I think there's a lot of guys you got to run through to be able to say that anymore. Um, 
they could probably start with Triple C. Um, I think that's a good legend fight. That kind of lets everybody kind of know where they're both at as far as uh, that UFC-level talent to, before they make that title run if they are going to make one. I'd love to see that fight. Mighty Mouse is an animal, though. I mean, the, the knee he took in, the, in that loss, that's not even legal in the UFC. So you And that's where you, like kind of Craig alluded to, if you're going to be the best, you got to be the best in the UFC. So that's not even a loss in the UFC. So I think that he can still make whatever claim he wants, but he's still got to come back and prove it if he's going to do that. Yeah, I mean, let's let's be real though. I mean, he is a legend in this game. He is probably our. I mean, really, some you know, go to the small guys. I mean, definitely go of the flyweight division in general. I mean, that's the reason he's not really in the UFC is because he cleaned house and fought every, who's everybody in the flyweight. Now we have some new names coming up, obviously, because he's been away for a few years. Uh, I I would like to see a return to the UFC. I mean, uh, you know, we talked to Triple Triple C, uh, a matchup of him and. You know, Peter Dion, uh, him and Aljo in the wrestling. Like, just there would be so many great matchups at 135 for a guy who can still go at, at uh, you know, in a guy who's been around. Uh, if he was to return at 135, Craig, what's the, what's the best matchup, you know, other than Triple C that you would like to see at 135? Um, I mean, I feel like if he was going to come over to UFC, he's one of those guys that um, – can dang near just come in and get a title shot. So, I mean, obviously the guys at the top, like you said, Peter Yan, Aljo, and honestly, if TJ Dillashaw uh, wins the fight, I think TJ and Mighty Mouse would be a great, a great fight. And those are two names that have been around a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would be a great fight. I'd like to see him fight anybody but Aljo for his first fight. Just strictly. Okay. And for the tail of the tape, I would love to see that. Because Aldo <laughs> might be an entire two feet taller than Mighty Mouse. But I would hate for that to be his first matchup just because I do want that train to get a little bit more steam before it gets derailed if it's going to. And I'm not saying that Aljo would beat him or nothing, but boy, that's a heck of a size disadvantage uh, right off the gate. But any of them small, man, Yon or Yon or TJ, I think would probably be the best matchup for Mighty Mouse. I like where Craig went with that TJ if he was to win. And I don't mind Mighty Mouse getting that immediate title shot. You know, he left on top, which most people don't get to do. And he's coming back arguably on top. So I feel like if he is going to, if anybody's going to get one, it can be him right away. Yeah. I, you're talking about tail and tape. I just imagine him and uh, him and sugar, sugar show, uh, you know, going at it. Like sugar is this, you know, six foot lanky, long, tall, uh, you know, fighter to then, out just to touch gloves. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, mighty mouse is just this little small, you know, bump, rumble in <laughs> The tail of the tape would be hilarious. It'd almost be like that uh, picture of him and Shaq standing together, except for it'd be like Yao Ming and Mighty Mouse together. That's what it would look like. Be just because, you know, so you, you talk about tail the tape, and that's just, you know, you have this image of like Sugar Show, you know, with all the tattoos and the crazy hair. You know, I mean, Mighty Mouse has got tattoos, but just this kind of clean, you know, nerdish looking guy. That would be an uh, incredible uh, scene there if uh, Sugar Show and, uh, uh, Mighty Mouse got into it. <laughs> hey, we'll move on. We'll move on here, boys. Uh, you know, fight broke down. Broke broke down as uh, it was scheduled, and we liked the fight. We kind of talked about it on a few episodes ago of uh, Sean Strickland and Jared Cannonier. Sean Strickland pulling out of the fight has to have uh, finger surgery. I believe that was a fight that's scheduled for a fight night in October. So we're about a month away. Uh, Kenny, who's somebody that, you know, who could step in here and fight Cannoneer and, and kind of fill in that, uh, main event void. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
I'm be professional. I really, and I know there it may not be a popular choice, but I heck of a time for old Darren Till to come back and quit talking to shit and actually get a fight, right? I mean, that's kind of who I was looking at as far as is that he's a big name. Now he's not exactly got the last, you know, four or five fights that you like getting somebody in that top five, but he's a guy that you can throw in there. And nobody can really argue against it because he has shown that level uh, before. So I really think Darren Till's sitting there, man, just wide open to step in and take that fight. It's a good fight for him if he can come back and beat Jared. Boy, he's right back in the mix. Yeah, that's a you know good point. I didn't think about Darren Till, and he he's kind of you know speaking on Darren Till. He's kind of come out and said, "Hey, I want like two fights by the end of the year, and next year is going to even be crazier." So I mean, if he's going to get two fights in the year, October's got to be that fight, Craig. I mean, are you kind of with Kenny here on Darren Till, or you got somebody else in mind to kind of step in? Yeah, um, I mean, I think if Darren Till's ready to fight, um, that's the clear-cut choice. You look at this division, man, and a lot of these guys have got fights coming up or they're just coming off of fights. You don't know how soon they're going to be getting back out there. Um, so, I mean, I think, yeah, Darren Till's actually a perfect choice. So we talked a little bit about um, Gastelum yesterday, too, and kind of where he's been at and what's going on with him. But it's it's kind of – Outside of these guys that have been missing time, everybody else here in the top 10, top 12-ish have, uh, have got fights or are just coming off of fights. So um, there's not a lot of options out there to fill that void for for Jared's fight. Yeah, I mean, Jared Cannonier is number two. I, and we'll get into, you know, Robert Whitaker here in a little bit. Uh, and Brunson's fighting. Uh, he's, he's four. He's got Hermanson, who's at eight. Uh, Paulo Costa just fought. Alex Pierre's got the title shot. So, I mean, you're you're looking all the way down at number nine. There's Darren Till, Kevin Gaslam, who's at 11. And, you know, I think Andre Munez, he just fought. We just saw yesterday Nasruddin just fought. Maybe, uh, I mean, you, another person you could throw in is uh, Dupelleris, who's all the way down at, I mean, we're looking at 13. You know what I mean? So, that's a big jump for Dupalese, but that would be a heck of a fight because Cannonier loves to bang, and we saw uh, Dupalese wanting to bang. I mean, to make Kenny's point, too, to kind of piggyback what he's saying on Darren Till, that's a perfect comeback fight for Darren Till. Not a wrestler, a guy who, who can stand up and bang, a bigger guy. That's the only scary part for Cannonier, I mean, because he is just – I mean, this is a guy who fought a heavyweight, light heavyweight, and it's some – I mean, just an absolutely – big SOB. I mean, and you know, I kind of worry about Darren Till, who was a welterweight at one time and, and is now moving up a smaller. So he's kind of on the smaller end of the middleweights, uh, you know, for his comeback fight to try to get his career back on the, uh, back on the, uh, on the tracks. Yeah. I like that Darren Till fight, man. I don't know how he would feel about it. I don't know if anybody's really asked him or, or said anything about it but i do think that it's set up i mean you guys said gaslam that's another good one you know he's sitting there at some point he's gonna have to come back too we talked about that in group this weekend he never did disclose what that injury was so who knows how long he's gonna be out with that but gaslam's another good one um and dp man he'll get in there and bang with cannon he ain't gonna be scared of that so that'd be a good one too yeah i like your point on that yeah, I think that would just be a fun fight. So, like, as a fan, like, you know, two guys that just love to to stand and, and, and bang. Uh, that, and that rankings be... don't mean shit, you know what I mean? We've already seen that. Rankings don't mean nothing. Just pick a fight you like and let's make it happen. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, as you know, next weekend's a prime, uh, you know, prime suspect uh, of that uh, situation. That rankings don't really mean anything. Dana will try to sell us on, you know, poop being ice cream, you know, and expect <laughs> us to buy it. The rankings don't mean much when the market when the marketability is there with guys like Nate, guys like O'Malley. Um, the thing is, is if if Duplessis fights Cannoneer, what if he wins? You just beat the number two guy. Like, I don't know. I don't know if he's got the marketability where Dana's going to give him that shot. I mean, well, I the way he better start drinking beer out of shoes, boys. Yeah, the way he fights, though, the way he fights, he is marketable because he is a stand up and bang guy. And I, I mean, those guys are any guy that can, you know, shut your lights out is a marketable to the UFC. Yeah, if you have a chance that if your wins are going to be highlights, you got a chance to be marketed. That's just kind of the way that's going to go. They kind of they kind of need that in that division. Really, we need another guy up there because, I mean, like we're going to talk about Robert Whitaker here in a little bit. But some of these guys up near the top, they've they fought the whole run of guys. I mean, we, we kind of need a new a new name up there. Yeah, I wouldn't mind the Kevin Gaslam fight. I always felt like he was like the top 10, you know, gatekeeper for a long time because it felt like everybody was fighting him. He's a guy that will take fights on short notice. Just an absolutely dog. Uh, you know, I was like, I, it was weird, like how we were sitting there yesterday just watching the fight. I was like, man, whatever happened to Kevin Gaslam? And we had to like look it up because, you know, he was just hasn't fought at all this year, hasn't fought in over a year. Uh, since August of 2021. So it's just like, man, over a year he hasn't fought. And this is a guy who you're used to seeing fight two to three times, you know, a year. And he just hasn't, it's just whatever the injury, but the law, he's had some losses, but it always seems like his losses, you're just like, hey, man, that guy was the, the absolute dog. You know, he's fighting Robert Whitaker and he's fighting this guy. And you're just like, eh, yeah, he's supposed to kind of lose those fights, you know, but he's also been in some tough fights. And you're just like, maybe he's just, you know, still young, but. Just still, you know, he's just fought who's who in that division. Yeah, all of his losses mean something. You know, he looked pretty good against Witt. You know, that's a decision fight that Gaslam never was out of. I mean, Witt outclassed him the whole way, but he was never out of. Like you said, even his losses, he looks good. I mean, he's definitely that top 10 gatekeeper type. And there's a lot of guys that that are kind of missing having to go through him on the way up because he's been hurt that – Maybe we don't really know who they are exactly yet because they haven't had to go through him. Yeah, I mean, Alex, to me, Alex Piera is that guy that just he's missed everybody and he got the highlight knockout that they needed from him, from Sean Strickland. And then they just keep, you know, they're going to keep showing that uh, that that knockout of him and Izzy. You know, let's just say if that was a, if he was one and one against Izzy. And they had it, you know, not oh and two. He may not be fighting for that title. It may not be as high ranking, but. Uh, you know, now he's, they got the two knockouts from when he was a kickboxer and, you know, they're like, well, Hey, is he one more guy here? And we'll see. And we'll kind of get more into the, to the middleweights here. Just mind Cause Izzy's beat everybody else. You know what I mean? So they, they need, also true. they needed that. Also true. So Kenny kind of mentioned rankings don't mean shit in a, uh, a fight yesterday that rankings did mean something. Uh, we'll get into it right now, boys. Last night's main event. I thought it was an absolutely incredible, fun fight. Uh, I thought Surreal Gone to me looked, I said his best as far as like, he just didn't out, stay away and outpoint uh, Ty Tuivasa. I would have thought like, hey, he's just going to outpoint him. He's going to stay away. He got in there and banged with Ty Tuivasa. Uh, Ty knocked him out in the second round. And if to me, if Ty bum rushes and comes in just quickly, is quicker, just hits him with the more, like about a three-piece uppercut while he's down, 
Ty's, we're talking about Ty Tuivasa pulling off a huge upset, who was uh, plus 400 going into that fight. But uh, credit to Surreal, battles back, gets up, hurts Ty. I mean, that there was a point in the third, I thought Ty, Ty played the old Europa dope, played possum with him, faked like he was hurt, and then loaded up. I mean, that was incredible. It was a fun fight. I stood up. I was like, oh, he played possum. I was all excited. Uh, I really thought Ty was going to pull the upset there in the second. But nevertheless, Surreal guy, credit to him. Battle back. Kenny, what was your thoughts on uh, yesterday's uh, main event? It's been a while since I've watched a fight that made me literally fist pump cheering for a guy. Man, when he hit Gone and Gone flew back into the gate, I was up. Let's go, Ty. Let's go, Ty. It's been a long time. I feel like it's been since Francis and Stipe since I had that sort of <laughs> just investment in a guy. Man, you just how can you not love Ty Tuivasa? To sit in when he took them, he took some liver shots, boys. The other be other dudes are tapping out from other dudes. The fight's over, and he just hunch over, finds some sort of muster in there to throw one or two more haymakers and maybe catch Gone. You got to love the Hardy show, but boy, Gone looked good. I mean, he yeah. had a good start to finish. He kept his range, and he didn't. He wasn't scared to get in there and bang with him. He showed with Lewis and and Ty now, bro. He ain't scared. I don't. He wasn't really scared against Francis. He just kind of got out wrestled, which was weird. But he ain't scared to get in there and bang with nobody. He doesn't care how, that he's supposed to be the technical striker. He'll swing and bang too. Craig, I mean, <laughs> Kitty kind of mentioned it. Ty's big old gut was just like a big red marker. It's like when you're beating the bad guy in the video game, and you just got to hit that one spot about 100 times. I mean, Ty's big old gut was just that marker. Uh, and, I mean, Gon was just kicking him over and over in that gut and just too many body shots there to the to the gut that it did tie in. I mean, what were your kind of thoughts yesterday on yesterday's main event? Yeah, man, like like you guys both said, dude, that was a uh, incredible fight for, you know, not even going a full three rounds, man. It had a lot of excitement in it. Um, I mean, hats off to, to two of us, man, like he and hats off to, to Cyril Gunn, because like I said yesterday, you know, a lot of people don't survive that from from two of us. So that hits enough. Um, he doesn't have to bull rush him super quick. Um because usually they're not they're not getting their legs back under them as quickly as what Surreal Gan did yesterday, um, but I feel like at that point in the second round, um, I, I think Surreal Gan kind of realized like this ain't we can't make this a five round take it to the points fight. This thing ain't going five rounds, you know. Um, and he started working the body, um, which really I mean that was that was kind of the downfall because there in the third round, um, two of us, you could tell his body was hurting. He was keeping his hands down. He was trying to protect the stomach. And then he was just taking the shots to the face, man. And uh, like you said, credit to Cyril Gon, man. He wasn't just kind of dipping and diving and, and, and working the points. He got in there, especially in the second and third round and realized, like, I, I'm going to have to get in here and bang with this guy. Um but there was a couple times where he was – there was one time there in the second he was rushing him, gave him like three straight leg kicks to the body, and uh, Tuivasa just kind of caught him with a left hook and gained that respect back, and he would knock Cyril Gaon back a little bit, so he couldn't just continuously, like, be aggressive. Um, I, th I think Tuivasa fought a great fight, um, especially considering who his opponent was. Um, so, I mean, hats off to both them guys. But Cyril Gaon, man, he's – we said it – um, last week when we were kind of predicting this fight, that dude just, he moves so smooth and elegant for as big as he is. And he's just, he's good, man. Um, so, but yeah, man, that fight was great. So yeah, he's such a technical fighter, but I mean, he, he showed that he can brawl with maybe the best brawl. I thought Tatu Avasa, you know, Craig, like you said, he looked like he belonged in that top echelon almost like, 
Hey, you guys, I'm for real. Like, I know y'all see me knocking out folks, but I can I can stay and I can fight with these guys. He He's going to have to get his cardio, uh, you know, under control a little bit better. I mean, he he worked on that, I think, because they're both both fighters looked exhausted in that second round. That second round was just an absolute fun, fun round for me. And I think it helped that it showed the sportsmanship between those two guys that they were having fun because they were both out there laughing. Uh, it was almost like a fun sparring session that meant something because they were both laughing, having fun at the same time. Uh, great sportsmanship, I thought, both by Kenny. Yeah, no, they were like that all week, too. You've seen all the pictures of them together. They were smiling. They were laughing. They're, this wasn't a fight that they were trying to sell some fake-ass bad blood. They just said, hey, he's a good fighter. I'm a good fighter. We're going to go figure out who the best guy is tonight. And you got – I mean, you got to love that. And I think you uh, – when you think about Ty and kind of you said he needs to get his cardio up, I think part of that was in that second round going into it, you heard his corner saying, hey, second round's your round. This is where you do it. And he almost got that finish. I think he probably gave every bit of whatever he had left because he knew the gut's already hurting a little bit. He keeps giving me them toes to the belly button. It ain't feeling good. And uh, I think he just kind of spent what he had left. And that third, you can kind of tell. It's like, listen, even his corner said, all you need is one shot. You're not going to win this fight with points. All you need is one shot. And he was trying to get it, and he just wasn't able to. But he definitely showed that he be he belongs there. I mean, anybody that watches that fight and thinks that he didn't belong in that fight did not watch the same tie we did. Yeah, I thought that, you know, Ty, even though he lost, I, he didn't lose any stock, right? Like, to me, like, it's not like, man, Ty, Ty doesn't belong in the top five. He doesn't belong in the top three. He, he to me, he proved the exact opposite, is that he does belong. Uh, that he is, you know, we I've compared him to Derek Lewis. I would say he's better at Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis was at this point in his career than Derek Lewis, was, it, you know, was. Uh, so I, I felt like both fighters, their stock rose. Uh, tremendous fight. So kind of Craig, what's next here for surreal gone? And you know, what do you got? What do you, uh, what's next for Ty? Sorry. I couldn't get my mic unmuted there for a second. Um, <laughs> this heavyweight division, man. I mean, there's just so many question marks. Um, I mean, Cyril gone's the number ranked number one in the division and just beat number three, you know? So, um, He's get. I mean, who is left? I mean, Curtis Blades is up there. Curtis Blades is probably going to have to fight one of one of these guys. And really, Curtis Blades to me makes sense for either one of these guys, for Tuivasa or for uh, Cyril Gan. Um, it's tough until we know what's going on with Stipe, and we know what's going on with John Jones, and we know what's going on with with Francis, who says that he's not fighting this year. Um, it's tough to match make up here in the heavyweight division. Like you said, in my opinion, Tuivasa didn't lose stock. So I don't think Tuivasa needs to really fall down the chain too heavily. Tom Aspinall is hurt right now. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe Pavlovich gets Ty and Blades gets, uh, Cyril Gan. I mean, maybe you do something kind of like that. Um, but like I said, and, and until we kind of know what's going on with Jones, Stipe, and Francis there at the top, it's tough to match make with, with Cyril Gaon, who's the number one guy. I mean, I guess the way things stand right now, Curtis Blades makes the most sense. Kenny, I see you kind of somewhat shaking your head over there. I agree and disagree with a few things. That The only fight I think that makes sense is Curtis Blades, in my opinion. Um, I think you can kind of the, read the tea leaves. Francis says he's going to fight early next year at some point. We, it's been rumored that Stipe and Jones are going to fight the end of this year. Those timelines seem to match up where Francis is going to fight the winner of Stipe and Jones. 
And so I think that you go ahead and throw the Cyril gone fight with, with Curtis Blades at the end, kind of see where Ty's at. If if Tom Aspinall is not going to be back until next summer, which is most likely, Ty's going to have to have a fight in there. And I think Pavlovich does make the most sense because he did just knock out Derek Lewis. It's like, hey, here's the next brawler. If you can beat him, then you can make a case. And so I think that both those fights really make the most sense. And then I think the heavyweight division will kind of work itself out through that little Grand Prix type tournament that will that'll happen. The, the problem is, I mean, we're talking about Francis. Francis' his contract's over at the end of December. I mean, as soon as that calendar year hits 2023, Francis is a free agent. No no deal done. He's come out and said, hey, I'm not fighting this year so they can forget about it because I'm out of I'm out of shape. Like I'm I'm recovering from still recovering from the ACL surgery. The deal's still gonna get done though. The deal the deal's gonna it's gonna get done. I I don't know. I mean Francis is over there talking more about Tyson Fury than he is talking about John Jones or Steve. And it might get done after Tyson Fury, but it's gonna get done. So then we're looking at then you're looking even at midsummer, you know what I mean? Of yeah. Yeah, and here's the thing, you know, when Volk sits back and says, hey, let everybody else fight, and I'll fight any interim champion there is, Francis can really do the same thing. He can go make 30 mil fight in Tyson Fury, let Jones and Stipe fight, let Gon and Blades fight, let those two winners fight, and then fight that winner. He can sit back all the way till next September and make 30 million in the meantime and be just fine. Well, I mean, at that point in time, it wouldn't be an interim fight. I mean, yes, it would. In our minds, it would be an interim. If his right, contract's because, up and he doesn't sign, then it would ha- it would be vacated. You're you're absolutely yeah. right. It wouldn't be interim, yeah. but he would still come back and say, "Bitch, the belt's mine." So it's still it's still belt on belt when he gets back. I mean, he beats he beats Tyson Fury. The UFC could uh, would offer more money, and then they could go out and. And, and market him even better, you know what I mean, even more, which I don't understand why Dana's not trying to work that deal into his deal and cross-promote this guy to let him go fight Tyson Fury, let him go make his money. I think I, I think Dana's biggest fear is he doesn't want another Conor McGregor, a guy that's bigger than the sport, right? Like uh, Dana always, always moniker, once the moniker things off the WWE and what Vince McMahon did, Vince McMahon hated when guys like The Rock and Stone Cold – they became bigger than the sport, right? Like he doesn't want guys to leave for Hollywood in, in those type of situations and have different ventures. That's what Dana White's trying to do. You know, Francis Nagano should be one of the most marketable people in the UFC with his knockout power, his size, his story, and they don't really market him very well. So I, I just think he doesn't want Francis to go out there and fight Tyson Fury because he doesn't want another Conor McGregor on his hands as far as somebody that's bigger than than the than the US, the brand. So that's what I was going to ask when you brought up that. Uh, do you think it's better? What do you think Dana's sitting there thinking? Do you think Dana wants Francis to win a fight against Tyson Fury or lose a fight against Tyson Fury? Which one is better and which one's worse for Dana? For I think if he well, I, if man, he wins, I, I, you're gonna have to pay him a billion dollars a year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, probably yeah. better off if he loses. And if he loses, then you can no longer say that you got the baddest dude on the planet whenever he comes back. So you lose that bit of marketability. So I just yeah, wonder, if like, Francis beats Tyson Fury and makes eight times the money in the boxing ring, why would he ever come back? You know, just defend the boxing belt. Yeah, and, that, that's and what I mean. Dana's going to have to pay him. I mean, he's going to make more money than Floyd Mayweather. Every, I feel like he has to. I don't know how Dana can ever bring him back. It's going to be wild. I think yeah, that was half, half the problem with Conor McGregor is, is I mean – he was great for the UFC while the UFC kind of had him under had Connor under their thumb. But once he kind of ventured out and was making his own money and he didn't have to take all these UFC fights and make Dana White all this money to make his own money. That's when Dana White gets the problem. You know what I mean? Like Botkin said with Dana and Vince, they want you to need them. The second you don't need them, then they no longer have control. And you can see that they really, 
and I don't want to bring up the mob boss. I know I say that about Dana a lot, but you can see the way he works a lot of the stuff. He makes sure that he, yeah, he's a businessman. He makes sure he's always got the upper hand. He doesn't want you to be bigger than the brand. The brand is the most, the UFC brand is more important than anything. That's the way the, you know, the way the fighter scale set up everything. You got to still have me. I mean, just like the government, it's the government, man. Like, I mean, you know, when well, it comes see, to fighters are starting to fighters are starting to recognize that too. You've seen a lot of fighters, the Jorge's, Connor's retired a bunch. Francis won't sign a new deal. A lot of these guys are pushing back. And then you see O'Malley, listen to him in a presser. He loves Dana White. He'll go on his Effort Friday show. He'll cook whatever he needs to, Cheeto, mashed potatoes, whatever the heck. He's all about the brand. because, And you see him skyrocketing. Now he's fighting Piotr Jan. Yeah. And the UFC is behind, behind Sean O'Malley because he's behind the UFC. Mm-hmm. Greg, I mean. Then there's guys like Nate that are peeing on the UFC brand. <laughs> and they get fed to the wolves, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, Craig, we kind of talked to uh, – what. Uh, you know, your, your take here. I mean, we, John Jones, uh, you know, we talked about him for a minute here is Stipe. I mean, there's no, that fight's not, we're kind of three months out, I guess, to December. Uh, Stipe, is he even going to come back? I mean, Stipe just seems like he's happy being a full-time firefighter. And it's just like, man, eh, maybe I don't want to. Could surreal gone. I mean, if, if Francis is out, and Stipe's out. Surreal gone is the guy for John Jones. Craig, would you like Surreal versus John Jones? That would be the absolute toughest. I think one of the toughest fights for John Jones. So welcome to himself in headweight. Yes, I would. I would love to see John Jones and Surreal gone. And I think that I mean that's a fight that we're going to see. I don't think that that's the fight that John Jones wants as its heavyweight opener. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know what's going on with Stipe. Like I've read different. I've read some places that say. Stipe Jones in December, dang near a done deal. And then I've read other places that say Stipe hasn't even been contacted or hasn't contacted them back. He doesn't really have any interest or doesn't seem like he really cares that much to fight John Jones. So who knows what's going on there? But one thing we do know is John Jones is about ready and John Jones is going to have to come in here and fight somebody. Um, and John Jones and Cyril Gaon, I mean, that's that's got to be the two most skilled heavyweights on the planet going at it immediately. Um, I feel like that's a fight we want to see. I feel like it's a fight that the UFC wants to make happen, but I feel like they want to give John Jones something else first. And honestly, like John Jones and Stipe is the perfect fight for John Jones to come into because it's obviously probably going to be the last fight for Stipe either way. Um, it's a big money fight, big marketability fight. But yeah, man, John Jones, Surreal Gone. I mean, who wouldn't want to see that? that? That'd be the two most skilled heavyweights on the planet going at it, man. That'd be great. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. And Kenny, the first time I ever saw Surreal Gone fight, I thought, man, that's a big John Jones is what Surreal Gone is. Just that his technicality, maybe not obviously as good as a wrestler as John Jones is, nowhere near probably. Uh, but I mean, Surreal Gone, could he end up facing here in December? I mean, he's kind of next in line uh, as far as, you know, John Jones in December. You got to think he's looking at that, just hoping to God that Stipe does something to pull out of that fight, right? And end up not wanting it. Because then it is Cyril gone. And he's, I mean, legitimately sitting in a situation where if Francis is going to have to vacate or whatever that situation comes into, you know John Jones is fighting in either an interim belt, belt fight or a vacant belt fight. And so no matter what, if you're Cyril gone, you got you have to want a John Jones fight because it means that there's a belt on the line for you. That maybe last time you fought Francis, you thought you might not get back to or you didn't know how long it would take. Heck, it might just take, you know, freaking a few months. So 
I think uh, everybody should want Gone and Jones. I think the UFC, as well as all the fans, should also want Stipe and Jones. It's the only time that they're ever going to be able to market that as a GOAT fight. Because like Craig said, it's probably the last fight. I think that they probably, I hate to say that UFC owes people stuff, but Stipe's done a lot. And I feel like they kind of, it'd be good. It'd be good business to give Stipe a big money fight like that on his way out to where he can, that's, that's probably a generational wealth fight just in itself off the way you're able to market that and the way you're able to promote that. And so I definitely want to see Stipe and Jones more, but if Stipe is going to pull out, then let's do Jones and Ghana. Let's do, let's get that thing over with. That's a fight we all want to see. Yeah, I think the casual fan and the most marketable fan marketable is Jones and Jones and Stipe, and or Jones and Francis, which obviously we know Francis isn't coming. You know, we just kind of talked that out. But I think the you know for the the diehards, like the most technical, and I even think probably the most the hardest fight for Jones would be gone. Uh, you know, it w- would be a fun fight and you slap the interim title on it um, or you can, you know, might be the real title. Who knows if they can't get that. It just depends on when that December card is. And I know maybe they're they're definitely trying to work on a contract with Francis here. But I mean, that might be for the real title, Craig. I mean, you, you know, I mean, are you buying into, you know, kind of gone and, and and Jones there? Yeah, I think if if December rolls around and Gon and Jones are fighting and Fran- and there's no deal done with Francis and that's all up in the air, that that's going to be for the interim belt because, you know, if the year passes, a deal doesn't get done and Francis has to vacate that title. I mean, there's a hand, there's John Jones. That's who they want to hold that belt. Um, so I feel like whatever fight he's got there in December, there's a good chance that that's already for the interim belt. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you. I think no matter what, that December card, if John Jones is on, it's for either the interim or the real title or something. Uh, speaking of for, titles, uh, the former title uh, holder of the middleweight, uh, Robert Whitaker, just, I mean, just gave, I mean, just an absolute class of, uh, you know, pieced up Vittori three rounds. I think the first round he was just kind of making reads, and after that, he's like, oh, okay, this guy's going to be easy read, and then just after that, just pieced up. Uh, Vittori gave some Vittori some shots as unanimous decision. Uh, Kenny, what was your kind of thoughts there on the co-main and, you know, what's kind of next for Rob Whitaker, who's kind of in this no man's land here in, as far as he's kind of, you got to beat Rob Whitaker to get to, to Izzy and nobody can beat, uh, you know, can nobody can beat Wit here. Nah, man. And we've been saying it for a long time. He's the best 185 in the world. It's not named Israel Adesanya. And I think he showed that again last night, or I guess yesterday afternoon. Um, he kind of said leading up to this week, you know, when Marvin started all the BS, Rob said, he just doesn't understand how good I really am. And Rob went out there and showed exactly how good he really is. And, you know, as much as Rob is a, a rangy decision fighter, he was hitting him some monster shots. And I think most guys, besides probably Vittori and Brunson, probably get rocked pretty well by most of those shots. And I think that Rob still showed that that he's absolutely the class of the the gatekeepers. I think he's the best non-belt holder probably in the UFC. Um, I do not want to see him move up to 205, but I don't know what else you do except him and Sean Strickland maybe, and Strickland gets back. I don't really know what else you do for Wick because he's just he just beat everybody that's not Izzy. Craig, I mean, Robert Whitaker, probably one of my, I think one of all three of our favorite fighters, one of the nicest guys in sport. I mean, just absolutely beat up the guy that we all hate in Vittori. Cause uh, I mean, just Vittori is just like Kenny said, just 
didn't realize Vittori is so full of himself. He, I, I mean, as you know, I, I always relate to things as wrestling just because that's, you know, UFC and WWE is very similar and he wants to be a heel, but he's not even a good heel. He's just an idiot heel. He's like that guy that you're just like, I don't even want to get behind him. I don't even, it's like the most worst heels of all time is Vittori here because you're just like, you don't even say stuff that's smart. That makes me even think, but you're believable. No, I think that's the biggest thing. You can't even believe that he's the heel. I mean, he, <laughs> he says this shit and you're like, oh, so someone told you that that was a good line to say when you got on stage. Like, I don't know if he even understands half the time. Like, you, he's just not a good heel, man. Like, and I don't I don't think he could ever turn babyface again either. I think he's kind of past that. I think he had a chance with Costa. He kind of came in and cleaned up the dude that we all really, really didn't like. And then he turned right back around and went to, to old Vittori. And I just think, man, I'm just always going to want him to lose. Credit to the, to the guy. I mean, he's a good fighter, but I'm always going to want him to lose. To, to the worst guy that you could be an a-hole to in the sport, Craig, right? Like, I mean, we, we talk about how respectful Bobby Knuckles is and and all, you know, just how he handles business. Like, he, Vittorio says, you know what? I'm going to be an a-hole to the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, I mean, Whitaker, and like we said yesterday when we were watching the fight, dude's only, what, 30, 31? He's been in, like, 30 professional fights here. Dude is a class act, and – um but Marvin Vittori is who he is. We talked about it yesterday when we were watching the fights. Like some of these UFC heels will say things that we know ain't true, that they act like it's true, but they somehow kind of like are convincible. But Marvin Vittori just ain't convincible. He's just up there saying things. And it's like nobody's buying this crap that you're saying, Marvin. And like I said yesterday, I mean, he's he's made a living on bully wrestling and dudes in the division. And you can only, that's only going to take you so high. And, um, I mean, I love seeing Robert Whitaker, you know, piece him up the entire three rounds yesterday. Um, like you said, I mean, I'm a huge Whitaker fan. We're all huge Whitaker guys here. And Robert Whitaker, I mean, if there's not a dude named Israel Adesanya fighting in the UFC, Robert Whitaker's in the GOAT talks because he's defended that belt against <laughs> every, the top eight dudes in the division. You know, and he's been holding that strap forever at this point. Um, and like Kenny said, what's next for Robert Whitaker? I mean, what is next for Robert Whitaker? Man, this is like, what this is what Rob needs to go home and do. Dear God, on November, can you please have hey mate have have Alex Pierre beat my my Australian accent's not very good, but is, hey, is that hey, what can, he wants them? Hey mate, hey, can you have Alex Pierre just knock out Izzy and send Izzy's teeth flying into the crowd so I can fight Alex Pierre uh, and get my middleweight title back? That's what, does, does, that, does that's what because Israel Adesanya is at the status right now that he gets to run it back. If he they're going to run that back, if Whitaker gets that fight is if Adesanya doesn't want it, you know? So that's, yeah. Is that good for Robert Whitaker? Yeah, man. Robert Whitaker wants somebody else to hold that strap, but at the same time, whoever takes it from Adesanya, Adesanya gets it back. So Robert Whitaker still ain't fighting for that belt. Here's a guy. Here's a guy. I, I, I'm going to throw this fight out for you guys. What about, uh, a guy moving up to 185 here, Colby Covington versus Robert Whitaker. I mean, how good would that fight be? Uh, two guys who are kind of similar situations, right? I mean, I, I guess now that Colby could fight could fight Leon eventually if Leon has wins this rematch against Usman. But I mean, if Usman got that belt back, Colby lost to Usman twice, and they're almost similar. How would you guys feel? Kobe moves up to 185 here and takes on Robert Whitaker. That would be an interesting fight. I think that if Kobe is going to move up to 185, that's probably the best fight for him. Um, and I don't say that as far as I think that Kobe's going to beat Rob, but I think that 
their size matchup wise, it's going to be the best size matchup for him. Everybody else is a little taller, a little bigger, um, which even Rob's talked about that move up to 205. He's been very open about saying, hey, I know when I move up, I'm short and and I don't have that same advantage that I do down here. And Colby's going to kind of be in that same realm of when you're a six foot tall, six one welterweight, you're a pretty big dude. Alex Pereira is what, six six? Is he six yeah. four? You ain't big no more. You move up to 185, 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, you're just a normal dude walking up in there. And so I think that him and Rob would be a good fight. It would tell us a lot about where Colby's at as far as at that 185 level. They're both really the same. Good stand-up dudes, good wrestlers. I think Colby's wrestling is probably a little better, but boy, Rob can wrestle. Um, man, I love that fight. If he is going to move up, that's the one I like to see. And it's a fresh face for him, for Rob. You know, he's not going to have to fight somebody he's already fought before. He's not going to just be sitting there watching the Izzy fight. That's another, and that's a fight that if, if Kobe does move up and beats Rob, then you can say Kobe can fight Izzy right away. If Rob turns around and beats Kobe, you can even say, hey, give Rob another, another shot. I mean, that's two fights in a row that he's won at that point. Again, if Rob's fighting him, you have to consider that dude a number one contender. And so, if that's no matter what, that's two number one contender fights that he's going to have won at that point. So, I think that Rob's got to want that fight too. Yeah, I, I would like to see Rob and and Covington, but I, I mean, I feel like, like you said, if Robert Whitaker wins that fight, at some point, Robert Whitaker gets another shot at Adesanya, right? I mean, Max Holloway got three shots at Volkanovski because the second fight was close. I mean, the second Whitaker and Adesanya fight was close. So at some point, I feel like if, if Whitaker keeps on winning, he's got to get that, that shot. If Adesanya beats um, Alex Piera and holds the belt, I mean, who, who deserves to fight Adesanya in that division more than Robert Whitaker a third time? You know what I mean? Um, I don't know if I don't know if just beating Vittori though uh, uh, gives wit. He'd probably have to win at least one more. Last time he think... had to he, last time he had to win three, so he's probably got to at least win two. Um, but as far as Adesanya is concerned, I mean, who's if if he beats Alex Pierre, who in the division deserves a shot at him is what I'm saying. I mean, he's he's cleaned house up there too, you know. Um, but as far as Covington and, and Whitaker fighting, man, that would be an amazing fight. I think um, both their styles, the way that they fight would be great. And I, I mean, I would love to see it as a big Robert Whitaker guy. I would love to see, you know, somebody kind of put it to Colby Covington a little bit. Um, and Robert Whitaker, man, he's just to me, man, that press conference, it would just make me hate Colby Covington more because Robert Whitaker is such a humble guy. And and Colby Covington's like Vittori, man, he's going to talk. He's going to talk smack the entire time and he's going to make you i mean he wants you to hate him he's a heel that's his character you know what i mean but the guys that do it to guys like robert whitaker they just make you dislike him a little bit more i feel like um but yeah in the octagon man that fight would be great i think so that's kind of you know that was some possibilities for for rob what's next for uh mr vittori he's kind of uh me and craig were kind of going through his list yesterday he hasn't fought anybody in this like anybody really in the top 10 his biggest win was jack hermanson uh he took on kevin holland on short notice kenny like who's who uh who should match up here with uh vittori vittori match up with man it's hard to say because probably the best matchup there's a fight that that I don't think the guys want to take. And I think it's probably him and him and Strickland. You know, I know that they're boys and I know they don't really want to fight each other, but I mean, Vittori, he lost a decision fight to Rob Whitaker. And I think that that means that he's still, he didn't take that big of a step back. I don't feel like, I mean, Rob goes out there, not classes. You Rob goes out there, not classes, 99% of the people he fights. So I don't think you take a very big step back. Um, Strickland got knocked out. Okay. You got caught. So, 
I think that you could pretty much argue they can both deserve that top five gatekeeper type fight to figure out who sticks around. Um, but they're boys, so I doubt it's going to happen. Um, I already used Darren Till's name once, but I'm going to keep throwing it out there until he fights somebody because I think as long as he's in the mix, if you're a top seven, eight guy, then I think that his name belongs in that conversation too. Really, man, we've kind of talked about it. It just kind of depends on who can fight. You know, I mean, you guys brought up Gaslam's name a lot. Gaslam Till, one of you guys that ain't fought in a long time is going to have to get in there and fight one of these guys because everybody else has already got a fight. And so I think as far as what's next for Vittori, he has to go down. And so I think it's got to be like one of these guys, a Strickland type or a Till type or a Gaslam type that's hurt right now, and it's just going to be a little bit. Yeah, he was supposed to fight Darren Till, I believe, in 2020 or 20 last year. I think it was 2020, and that's when Kevin Hall, he fought Kevin Holland on short yeah, notice. Yeah, kind of started the – the downward spiral of Darren Till for the last year was kind of pulling out of that fight. It all kind of went downhill for him after that. Yeah, he had that one fight against Brunson where he just looked awful. Uh, Craig, kind of what's your theory here on what's next for uh, Vittori? I mean, he's going to have to get it together. He's got to fight some real, like, I don't want to say real fights, but just some tie-ranking guys. He was able to somehow skip the line. I don't understand how he was able to skip the line to get that title shot against Izzy. Uh, I guess he just talked his way into it, even though he was the only person to believe it. Maybe him and Dana were about the only two people that believe in what he was saying. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I feel like part of him skipping the line was just like we said before, it's just a case of Izzy, Izzy beat everybody. You got to get somebody up there to fight him. Got to try to get a new face in there. Um, but yeah, like you said, Marvin Vittori hasn't really beat anybody. And I know it's a little ways down, but um Nasser Dean just fought on on the same card and won, and he's ranked at 12, so he might move up a little bit, Vittori moving down. I mean, you could throw them together just, I mean, you know, to try to get a ranked guy on Vittori's record there, get him back up um, in the mix. Um, like Kenny said, Darren Till, keep throwing his name out there until he fights somebody. Darren Till's talking like he's ready to fight somebody, so um, there's a few names out there that could happen. And, I mean, you know, they talk about that Wembley card um, early in the year. Uh, Vittori Till would be big on that card. Um, don't know when Vittori is going to be ready after this because, um, I mean, he, he took he took a little bit of a beating there um, yesterday. But, I mean, those are a few names. And like Kenny said, Sean Strickland too. Um, Sean Strickland and Marvin Vittori would be a good fight. But at the same time, if, if you're going to try to find something up there for Robert Whitaker, I mean, he's beat everybody all the way down to Sean Strickland. So if he's got to fight somebody else um, up there, you know, in the top five, top 10, that's about the only guy left for him. Um, but if, if you don't make that happen, Strickland and Vittori would be a good fight too. Yeah, I think if you did Vittori Till, like you said, at Wembley, that would, I mean, absolutely crush. They've already been back and forth in the old, in, you know, social media. Uh, you, you you mentioned Nasser Dean. Nasser Dean fought an unranked fighter in Joaquin Buckley yesterday. So, like, you know, he did the UFC favor, fought down. Usually if you fight down and you pass that, they kind of let try to get you to fight up next time. So, I mean, maybe it maybe it is uh, Vittori and Nasser Dean. That wouldn't be a, a, a bad option. I do. I could see that happening, Craig. So before we before we get out of here, uh, staying in this middleweight division, Izzy's manager kind of come out and he said, hey, 205 not we're not done uh, at 205. You know, that's still a huge possibility, even at heavyweight. Kenny, could you ever see uh, Izzy at uh, heavyweight or even making that run back up at uh, light heavy? I mean, we know he is, he's got something. It's like he wants to either be John Jones or is just going to chase John Jones. Uh, that was a fight that, 
you know, up until he lost to Jan Bohovic that everybody was kind of talking about. And since that loss at 205, you know, the Izzy versus Jones talk has kind of really died down. Well, the Izzy versus Jones talk was really the pound for pound goat talk at the, at the time. And that's kind of where they were trying to direct that fight towards. And so whenever he moves up and loses to, to Jan Blahovich, it's kind of hard to, to keep marketing that the same way. Cause he's already shown, okay, well, he's not even the class of the 205, but I definitely think he's going to move back up at some point. And I don't know when that is. I think, I would love to see it because then it opens the door for Usman to move up to 185 as well instead of him trying to talk about moving to 205. Uh, I think, but Izzy's got to do it right. Whenever you hear Whitaker talking about it, he said, you know, he took a long time to transition from 170 to 185. He made sure that his body was right. He put on weight healthily. Izzy went out there and fought Yon. He was, what, 200 pounds? Yeah, took the He's pizza not- on the scale. <laughs> took the pizza right. on the scale. Exactly. Yeah. He's not going to be able to fight dudes that are walking around 225 on fight day the same way. And I think he's kind of seen that. So I do think he's going to move up to 205, but he's going to have to do it in kind of that Rob Whitaker way, almost like John Jones has done moving up to, to heavyweight. Now, whatever contract disputes there were that's kept Jones out of the octagon, he's been transforming himself. You've seen it on Instagram for the last year and a half, two years of him becoming what heavyweight John Jones is going to look like. And I think Izzy's going to have to do that same sort of thing. Uh, to really be successful at 205. He's got the build. If he puts on to where he can't just get ragdolled by guys like Jan, he's going to, I don't want to say run through like it's going to be easy, but he's got a chance to to take over that 205 division the same way he did 185 because he's just so skilled. Yeah, Craig, what's your thoughts here? Is he, uh, is he lightweight and heavyweight at maybe at some point in time? Hey, is yeah, he got no um, business at heavyweight? I didn't say that. I don't want to cut Craig off. Is he got no business at heavyweight? Go ahead, Craig. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm right there with Kenny, and I was going to kind of say the same thing. I could see Izzy making the move up to lightweight at some point in time. But like we saw against Jan, Izzy, Izzy just thought Izzy could be Izzy and go up there and fight guys at that weight division, and that didn't work out that well. Um, so it, just like Kenny said, man, we've seen the way that guys that, that actually move up transition, the way that John Jones has been transitioning his body for almost two years now. Uh, for the move up to heavyweight, I don't think Adesanya can make that move all the way up to heavyweight, um, because I, I do think it's going to be it's going to be a, a process of him getting his body right to to make a move up to lightweight to really be competitive. Um, the big thing for Adesanya is he's just those big boys will wrestle him and they'll keep him on the mat. He's a he's I mean he can go up there he can maybe go to heavyweight right now and be the best striker in the division maybe not named Cyril Gaon but. Guess what? Them boys are a whole lot bigger than you, and they're going to ragdoll you all over the place. You're not going to win fights up there unless if you can really transform. Um, so I think I think right now, really, where why we've seen Adesanya so dominant is because he's perfect to where he's at, man. He's got the long range. He's a great striker for the dudes that he's fighting. And if he is going to make a move up to 205, he's got to he's got to you know become 205. He's got to become a 205. You can't be a 185 or a 190, 190 pound guy going up there fighting them 205ers all the time and expect to be real successful. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. He's going to have to, he would have to take a lot of time and put a lot of weight on, uh, a lot of muscle. If he was going to really take a real good run at 205, uh, I mean, it's hard to become double champ champ and, and things like that because, especially when you, I think when you get up into those upper echelon levels, you know, we saw DC do it just because, I mean, but DC was a heavyweight cutting down to light and should have always been fighting at heavyweight. The only reason he wasn't fighting at heavyweight was because Cain Velasquez was his teammate and he didn't want to, he wasn't going to fight Kane or anything like that. So he was cutting down and barely cutting down to 205, as we, as we all know. 
uh, you know, where Izzy, he, he I'm probably walks around at 200 pounds and has to cut down to 185. Uh, so I don't think he, you know, he would have to put on a lot of muscle. He would almost have to take six months to almost a year off, you know, and I don't, so I don't think that double champ champ status is him, but if he vacated the middleweight title and said, Hey, I'm out, I'm going to go beef up and get, get this, uh, light heavyweight title. I could see that. I mean, he would be, you give him, maybe you put him right in the title fight. Like, I mean, Hey, you're a champ, just like they're doing with John Jones, as we've talked about at heavyweight, they would give him the title fight at light heavyweight. Uh, and that would be, you know, I mean, imagine him and Yuri, Yuri going at it. What a fight that would be. Uh, if Yuri's still the champ at, uh, two Oh five there, you know, that would be an incredible, f uh, fight Yuri and, and Izzy just two you know, absolute mixed martial artists just, you know, fighting and counter-striking. It would be insane because Yuri would put the pressure on on Izzy, and Izzy, it would be interesting to see what would happen there. That's a better fight for Izzy than the Yon fight. You know, Yon, wrestle you, big power guy, try to get take you down and control you. Yuri's going to want to stand and bang, so Izzy's got a chance to catch him. I think that if Izzy beats, beats Alex, I think it's hard for him not to move up to 205 because then he can really say – you guys went all the way around the world to find the one dude that chopped this tree down and he couldn't do it twice. And I think there's just nobody left for him. And it's e it's going to be easier for him to take that six months to a year off coming off a win like that than it is coming off a loss. Cause he's going to want to go out there and kind of reset and get that spin cycle going for his public opinion. You know what I mean? So I think if he beats Alex, it's easier to take a year off and say, Hey, almost like Volk's doing about wanting to fight 155. Like y'all figure your shit out. He can kind of justify saying the same thing and it won't, Nobody will be able to say in the media, oh, is he lost to Alex? Now he's running. Nobody will be able to say that as long as he beats Alex, you know? Yeah, and that we'll we'll find that out in November. Uh before we kind of wrap up here, boys, you guys got any uh Kenny got any last comments or thoughts? No, I don't think so, man. Uh just kind of ready for next weekend, kind of see if Nate's gonna give Dana the double birds on the way out. <laughs> Craig, you got anything? No, just kind of on top of what Kenny was just finishing off um, with there. Um, you said, you know, you don't see Adesanya being champ champ. Um, he has to beat Alex Pieter to, to be champ champ. And if he can if he can win that fight, like Kenny said, there, there's nothing else. Left, there's nobody left for you to fight in that division. So you can take a year off. You can beef up and you can really go try to go chase that 205 belt and, and become champ champ. But if he loses this fight to Alex Pieter, then it's I don't think there's ever a way that it's going to happen again. Yeah. Uh, I agree. So, so boys, uh, that, that folks, this kind of wraps up the head kicks and haymakers. We'll be back. The three of us will be back tonight, at eight o'clock central. We are uh, breaking down the NFL, giving our uh, divisional picks each division. I don't know how we're going to talk. I'll try to cram it into an hour and a half. I mean, it, it'll probably be a two hour show. So uh, buckle in folks. It's a good thing. It's Sunday and Monday is an off day. Uh, holiday because we're going to be uh, burning the midnight oil. We'll start at eight o'clock central time zone. So join us here back here on the Bodkins channel. Uh, Kenny and Craig will be joining. We're going to be breaking down all the divisions plus a little K and K uh, fantasy corner. They're going to be giving out some of your uh, sneak sleepers and uh, bust uh, kind of guys that they're uh, higher than and lower than. So tune in for that. We're going to be giving out some fantasy news. We're going to be giving out our football divisional picks. Plus, we'll be coming to you live every Wednesday night, starting this Wednesday. Uh, we'll be picking every game against the spread, and we'll be uh, talking about all the football news. But don't worry, fight fans. Head kicks and haymakers will still be rolling on. 
Uh, we'll have our UFC's 279. I believe we're going to try to do it maybe Friday night. Uh, got some family obligations Saturday morning. So we might be coming to you live. We'll put that out, uh, kind of discuss that. But we'll still have a preview show for UFC 279. Uh, to be either hopefully maybe Friday night or we'll figure the time zone. We'll put that out later. Uh, then we'll be back here, uh, UFC 279 post show. Hopefully with the Nate Diaz shocking the world. Uh, we'll we'll discuss that <clears throat> next week. Uh, make sure you're heading over to the uh, Let's Talk Sports, the um, and the Sports Buffoons. Comment, like, subscribe, share, be a friend, tell a friend. Also, before I get out of here, one more time, we got one last comment from uh, Chris Landis here in honor of Head Kicks and Haymakers. Let's honor the Dog of the Week, Serena, taking it to the round three of the U.S. Open. Absolutely. I thought she was going to take that last set and uh, push herself there. But uh, tip of the cap to, uh, you know, uh, the GOAT of women's sports and the GOAT of women tennis for sure, in my mind. Uh, absolutely dog and stud uh, the GOAT that is Serena Williams. So tip of the cap. Uh, anyway, catch you back here tonight, 8 o'clock Central. The boys will be joining me. Our NFL preview. It's going to be a blast. Like, subscribe, share, be a friend, tell a friend, folks. Make sure you give us a five-star rating on the old uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hit the subscribe button. Share with your friends. Tell them how great or crappy we are, and they still got to check it out whether you like us or dislike us. Kenny, go ahead and hit that outro, baby.